Welcome back, guys, to Mar Listen, a bi-weekly podcast by BBC Smarlin, where we talk about the show, the fandom, the ships, the characters, and everything we can think of. I'm Momotastic. And I'm a Snowfox. And today we have an amazing episode planned for you about the characters Leon and Gwen. And for that, we have two guests. One of them is Tori, previously known as Merlin Bunny, coming back on the show with us. Hello. And one new guest who is known on Tumblr especially as Bisexual Shakespeare. Hi. Before we get into our episode proper, let's hear some news. Winter Nights is now accepting prompts. They have a limit of 10 prompts per person. But other than that, you are welcome to go wild. Check out their live journal for more information on how to prompt, where to prompt, and what you can prompt. After Kamlan Big Bang has now started posting, as of yesterday, September the 1st, Fix will start to trickle in on a two-day basis. So the first one was posted yesterday, and the next one will be posted tomorrow and on September the 3rd. For the full schedule, check out aftercomlon.lifejournal.com where you will also find the fix postings with links to where you can actually read the fix and look at the artworks. Coinalot is very soon and you have one week left until September the 9th to buy tickets that will enable you to attend the convention on either one day, two days or the entire weekend. However, you will have to find your own accommodations. Everything else will be included in the convention as has been the case with the full weekend tickets. For more information and ticket prices and what's included and what's not included, check out coinalot.tumblr.com. And last but not least, Merlin Memory Month has now officially started again and they have posted their first couple of prompts. So if you want to participate in the September round of Merlin Memory Month, this is your chance. Go check out merlinmemorymonth.tumblr.com for more information and all the prompts. We have a talk bag, and I think, Rox, you're the one who really wants to take this one. So we had a talk back, uh, or so, um, a comment from uh, Rachel on the episode review that we did of the beginning of the end, and I kind of took two sections of it and like wrote down my, my meta. So feel free to jump in, guys, if you have anything to say about it because it's probably going to be quite controversial what i'm about to say <laughs> wait you being controversial rocks i'm hey, that's, that's I mean, new <laughs> i you know i i do hate to be predictable so <laughs> <laughs> um so basically uh rachel is talking about the uh the nature of kind of the ethics in this episode, which is something we talked about in our episode review and kind of... Of uh, beginning of the end. Kill it, yeah, about uh, like, you know, uh, Merlin's uh, choice to kill or not kill Mordred. And uh, she says in her comment, she says, um, the law of the show is heavily fatalistic and I don't think there was any way an exploration of this side of Mordred that could have been shown without either breaking the rules of the universe that had already been set or ignoring the legends. And I just thought it's really cool that they actually kept to the kind of model that they had from the beginning all the way to season five, that this was a very fatalistic universe and they didn't really ever change that. Like they've never really once shown in the whole show that you can 
change your fate, which which mm. I think is like nice and consistent because that sometimes you know you can kind of want to show like the more optimistic view of like oh no you can change things but actually like they've actually stuck to that pretty and like how trying to change it only brings us about for certain or even faster like i think crystal cave is like the like model episode for that like merlin sees the future and he tries so hard to change it and that's how he actually makes it happen um, and then she goes on to, so this is something that we've talked about before, which is Merlin's moral code. So she says, uh, that I think it's interesting to note Merlin's own personal code of ethics and how, even though he certainly becomes a utilitarian later on in the series, note how he wishes to indirectly kill Mordred in Arthur's Bane part two. In season one, Merlin is more of a value ethicist and places more importance on Mordred's life for the sake of him simply being a human, despite the fate that he knows to be true. And I just, I disagree with this so much. <laughs> like, um, I completely, like, see where she's coming from. But for me, I've always seen Merlin, like, from season one all the way to season five, as someone who is protective of the things that are his. Like, anything that he finds... Um, in terms of like people he thinks he can trust or people that are his family or people he loves he protects them first and then everyone else comes second which obviously you might think well that doesn't explain why he had so much trouble like not killing Mordred or killing Mordred in the first season and I have a few reasons where I think why that was a particular outlier in this case first of all I think he I mean Mordred is a child, so most people will find it difficult to just, like, you know, let a child die, you know, apart from Uther. But, you know, <laughs> we don't need to talk about Uther today. And I think that... But what's interesting, actually, about that is when Merlin goes to the dragon to talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, there's this boy, he's protecting him, the dragon says, you know, you must not protect this boy. He, d um, I've just recently rewatched this episode, and I don't think he says, oh, but he's just a child. I think he says why he's just like me it's morgana that says to arthur please let us go he's just a child so she's the one that places value on the fact that this is just an innocent kid merlin actually is placing value on the fact that but we're just the same he is of magic just like i am so the reason why he doesn't want to kill him is because they're basically you know family is what he's saying and that's why he's so protective over him and that makes complete sense when you see the way that he acts with his mother the way he acts with arthur and that's the reason why he finds it so hard to kill morgana even when he finally does kill her he finds it really hard because they're cut from the same cloth and that's really important to him and he feels protective over that but also mordred hasn't actually done anything yet and i think at this point in the series Merlin doesn't actually really believe like this whole fate thing that the dragon is talking about. Like he's kind of playing along with it and just kind of living his carefree life in season one, but he hasn't really seen any consequences of this yet. Like he hasn't actually witnessed this idea of fate slowly coming true. And it's not until season two that he actually starts making decisions about whether or not he's going to believe the dragon, because obviously he poisons Morgana because he can see that, these things that the dragon is saying are going to happen are actually starting to happen in season one. He's still like, Oh, I think I can change the future. I think I can change it. And I've actually written in my notes, or I did to see how much differently Merlin would have reacted to Mordred 
as a character if Mordred had outright tried to kill Arthur in that episode and not him just being told he'll kill him one day. So Mm -hmm. I think that that was a huge difference and that he just doesn't believe that it's going to happen. If it was presented in front of him, I think he would have finished him like that because we obviously see that he's already killed on a couple of occasions for Arthur already. So he doesn't have any problems with that. It's just because this is a Druid boy and he's like, but we're the same. And when he's actually um, lying down in his bed and he's like, I'm going to ignore it. I'm not going to do anything about it. And he's um, getting inside his head. It's really fascinating because he's like, you know, being really sweet and childlike and manipulative. It's not until he says to him, we're the same. I thought you were my friend that Merlin actually gets up and goes to him because he's like, no, you know, so it's not really that, oh, he's a kid about to die. It's like, well, a person of magic is going to die and I can't let that happen. But what do you guys think about that? Do you think that that might be the case or? I think that's great. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any arguments with it. <laughs> oh, please argue. It's not fun if I'm just like <laughs> I now feel so bad for this person who commented because I feel so awful. But it was such an amazing comment because this is one of the reasons why we had so much fun reviewing this episode was because it is a very difficult episode to watch because it's like, what would you do? And, you know, there was that wonderful line of, you know, would you do something horrible to prevent something even worse from happening? And obviously, you know, we were saying how it was such a wonderful Mirtha line, but really it's actually just this moral dilemma and it's so cool. It's like the tagline, like in fandom, the tagline for this episode is always like, let the druid boy die, where I'm like, um, no, he's a kid. (laughs) But like, yeah. He's a tiny baby, why are you trying to kill him? Yeah. I mean, and I, I feel like at that point, when I was watching the series, I was also like Merlin, where I was like, oh, no, this is one of those, like, things we can change you know fate isn't entirely sealed but it's definitely like in hindsight it's like well i mean it would have been easier to kill him then than later Mm -hmm. that's true exactly this is what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) yeah Listen, we had this entire conversation that I unfortunately had to cut from the episode because it was getting too long. I'm sorry about this, but uh, uh, where we talked about, like, if you know that this person is going to, like, if you know for a fact that this person is going to commit, like, truly horrendous things in the future, is it right for you to kill them now when they haven't done anything yet? Which is basically the plot of Deadpool 2 and this one and this one show that Rox mentioned that I forgot what the name is. And Legend of the Seeker. Legend of the Seeker. And like, it's always... It's the age-old question of, if you could go back in time to when Hitler was a child, would you kill him? Exactly. Yes. Like, he hasn't done anything yet. Exactly. But no, you know he's going to. Do it. Kill baby Hitler. <laughs> I think the, like, the... The overall crux of this entire argument is if 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 you believe in your gut that we live in a universe that has like direct consequences for action. So if like if there is absolutely no way that you can change the outcome, then I think, yeah, you probably are in your moral right to do that. But of course, we don't actually have the, you know, the proof for that. Anyone that's interested in this kind of dilemma should watch The Minority Report. It is such an incredible film and it basically is about this. It's like, do we have the right to uh, punish people for things that we know they're going to do but haven't physically done? And it's so wonderful. But I think in Merlin, it is one of those things where 
I think the the dilemma comes from the fact that he just doesn't trust the dragon's like kind of foreseeing possibilities and he doesn't trust the fact that he's living in a universe that is very fatalistic i think if the merlin from season five who is aware of these things was in season one mordred would have been dead and like there would have been no question about it because because obviously we as viewers do know that this is definitely going to happen even by the fact Mm -hmm. that his name is mordred so it's like because we know that are we just blinded by the fact that this is a little kid and you know like he can't possibly do this but we instinctively know that a person named Mordred is gonna kill Arthur so it's like just because he's a kid now it doesn't make much difference to that fact I was just gonna say I guess your view could easily also skew depending on when you watched the series like if you're one of those people who was in it in 2008 and day one you were watching Merlin and you saw that episode and you still had beliefs and like trust that the writers weren't going to do you dirty. Um, then, you know, you, you might've been more along the lines of Merlin where it's like, he's a child. Why would I kill him? Just because you're telling me he's going to do something bad. Like well, the idea that someone has the potential to do something evil and you're going to punish them beforehand for it is not a good one to go down. Um, <laughs> Also, what I wonder is if uh, season five Merlin like traveled back in time to season one to to stop um, Mordred from surviving. When would he actually do it? Would he do it like just like right at the beginning before season one Merlin had any chance to get Mordred into the castle and just let him be found by the guards, or would he let it go as far as? Morgana forming an attachment to the boy, which then could turn out to be, you know, breaking point for Morgana if the boy died because of Uther. So, you know, that's that's also interesting. Someone write a fanfic about it. But like, I think, but the thing about Asa Butterfield's Mordred is that that kid, they told him something. Like, they told that kid something that influences performance because you do not look at that child and think that is an innocent young boy. That kid is a creep and that kid knows things. I guarantee you, because like you said, Momo in the episode review, when Merlin asks, why are they chasing you? He just replies with, they're going to kill me. Like, and when he looks at Arthur and says, my name is Mordred and he blinks and he stares at him with those eyes. You cannot tell me that that is a kid that doesn't know something. Like, no, it's is... just called bad directing. Yeah. But it's good. It works for the episode because you know that, like, it makes you believe that this prophecy is maybe known to more than just the great dragon. Maybe the druids know about it too. No, well, I'm saying it's bad directing because Mordred backpedals on that so hard in season five. Like, he's no longer <laughs> being some creepy child anymore but that's bad directing in season five not in season one <laughs> everything was bad in and five. alexander alexander vlahas did everything he could with the character like we talked about this before how much he tries to emulate asa's mordred at least in the beginning you know and then it's just but yeah anyway okay i have a so here's the thing is if the world of myth and time of magic that Merlin takes place in is completely bound by fate, then would killing Mordred do anything? Ah, If he actually did kill Mordred, would it change anything if the whole point is that you can't change fate? Well, but the the point is that Mordred, when he's dead, Mordred literally cannot kill Arthur. 
Because I think the Great Dragon says in episode eight, he says, if the boy lives, you cannot fulfill your destiny. So if, if he's dead, yay! <laughs> I don't know. I have a feeling that it probably would have just gone just like in the Legends where Arthur and Merlin tried to kill Mordred and failed because the fates intervened and said, nah, we know you threw a bunch of babies on a boat and sailed them across the ocean with the hopes that they'd all die, but we're going to save just this one child because he's destined to murder your ass. That's also the the plot of the season five episode, The Desir, where Mordred was about to die, and then The Desir saved him specifically to punish Arthur. Because Merlin made the wrong decision. Listen, we could talk about Mordred and determinism for ages, and we have in the past, and I know we could still keep going, but... <laughs> this episode's about Gwen and Leon. Yes, and before we get to that, finally, we want to know about bisexual Shakespeare's fandom history, because everybody, every guest of ours gets to say this, or has to do this, depending on your uh, point of view. <laughs> But we want to know, Shakes, uh, how you got to watch Merlin, how you got into fandom, what you do in fandom, if you do anything in fandom. So I saw Merlin on Tumblr. Like, I just saw some people blogging about it and all the shipping and stuff. And one day, I I think it was in summer, and I just didn't have anything to do. So I just started watching Merlin a bunch. Um, and I was live-tweeting it. And... Um, Paraka actually found my tweets and started like talking to me about Merlin and was like wrecking podfix. And I did not know that podficking was even like a thing that existed before she did that, but then I did. So thanks, Paraka. But yeah, basically, most of my fandom was just for like the first time watching. I think there were just four seasons at that point, and I was just binging them all on Netflix. And I would just tweet about it, and then Paraka or um, Betty Boo would tweet back at me, and then I would read their fics and listen to the pot fic. And I haven't written anything. I honestly haven't read a lot of fic in the last couple of years because season five was very disappointing. That's one way of putting it. But I, you know, then the Merlin, <laughs> there was that Merlin Discord that started not too long ago. And so I started to sort of get back into it. And then Momo linked, you know, this podcast every episode. And so I was like, cool, I can be on that. I was aggressively pimping it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's As the only should. way you get your shit out. Yeah. And it worked, obviously. <laughs> Now you're Clearly. now you're on the show. So welcome. No going back now. No. Well, so many people have said that they've like gotten back into the show because of Melissa, which just makes me so happy because it's just like this is why we did it was because we kind of like not that I feel like the fa like I'm not saying that the fandom is dead because for like for like how long it's been off the air, it's still very much alive. But we've talked about this moment, haven't we? How it. I miss being in a in an active fandom in the sense that the the content is still airing regularly. So like even doing these episodes, like you kind of feel like you're re like uh, uh, re experiencing each episode like all over again because you're really like going into the nitty gritty. And obviously, when people listen to us talking about it, they're like, I remember this, or like we've gotten so much good feedback for the um for the early fix one haven't we mama because everyone's like oh i remember when those like writers were around and it just makes me so happy because that's how we feel when, when like we're recording it so it's really nice to hear that like that you kind of like found us and decided to come on the podcast because it's just like 
our favorite thing ever. Also, we can't, we literally can't shut up about this show and this fandom. So might as well just record ourselves and put it out there for everybody else to hear. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. At when I, w- I started rewatching some episodes, like when you guys did the episodes, and then I started rewatching like the later seasons for this episode. And I don't think that I like the later seasons as much as I like the first season. <laughs> Nobody does. Don't worry. Yeah, you're in good company. <laughs> like the Gwen episode was great, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the strength, bravery, and magic episode that was good too. But like other episodes have been kind of like. Like, this 20-minute bit will be good, but then, like, most of it is not. Jake's is the one after my own heart. Oh, well. <laughs> Fucking loving Gwen out here. It's Gwen Love Club. I love it. Yeah. All right. The Gwen Love Club. Let's let's get it rolling. About Gwen and Leon is our episode today. And like we do with all the other characters, we like to look at their bases in the legends and just like we had with the Uther and Gaius episode uh there's one character who isn't actually in the legends in this case it is Leon and um I just want to give at least some information (laughs) because otherwise I feel even worse for him than I already feel for him um Leon as a name obviously means lion it's derived from the Greek Leon which is funny because that's what Rupert calls it calls him on some occasions when he's making fun of his own character and his role. And then in the English Middle Ages, I found this interesting. Leon was a common name for Jewish boys. So make Leon nice. Jewish 2K18. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I support it. Yeah. I support it. I totally, totally go with it. So yeah. But to be honest, Momo, like I think Leon is pretty much like because we've talked about how I, I'm because obviously Lancelot is just not around. I just think like Leon basically became without meaning to like what Lancelot was supposed to be to Arthur, which is basically his right hand man. Like he's mm-hmm. that is you know he like you know his name even starts with the same fucking letter. Like it's like and I don't really understand why they made Leon. Leon as opposed to just a named knight like why did they do that because they kept him anyway but he basically became the Lancelot like it's really weird because obviously like he's the closest Arthur is to any of his knights it's so bizarre I mean if you ask me I have this is because of my time as role-playing as Leon on Tumblr for that very short like two months I did it which meant I had to delve into the character and I'm just like there's nothing about this character but uh I actually turn around, I'm like, maybe they were trying to, like, harken back to the fact that Gwen's father in the legends is often referred to as King Leo de Grants. So it's just like, maybe they're, like, trying to be like, hey, hey, here's a little thing for you Arthurian legend nerds. Are we saying that Leon basically steps is meant to be stepping into the father's <laughs> shoes or something? Because that puts a different spin on the Gwen Leon ship altogether. Oh absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> saying that I just think that the uh, author, like the writers and everything, were just like, we don't have a name for this random knight that showed up. So uh, how about how about we pick a name that's like believable and maybe you know, there's this one dude who has like a leo name so yeah 
I think it was more them trying to come up with a name and just be like, hey, hey, see, we acknowledge this. Yeah. We, I mean, they could have game. literally picked any of the other knights. It's not like there are not enough knights in the legend. Well, the Metavir, he could have been... Uh, K! He could have been K! could have been K. Imagine that, because Gwaine, of course, is in the legends a lot. Uh... Although he's not called Gwain, he's Gawain, and we still don't know why they actually dropped that A in uh, for Merlin. Gawain is a Welsh name. Of course, like with every other character from the Legends, there are variations of this name, and I cannot pronounce any of them because they're all Welsh. However, I did make an attempt to learn how to say this one. It's Gwalchmei. I apologize to any Welsh people. <laughs> it's Gwalchmates, spelled G-W-A-L-C-H-M-E-I. And that's supposedly where the English Gawain derives from. Uh, the most, like, the most from any other version of this name. And Gwalch is uh, the Welsh word for hawk. And is a typical epithet used in Welsh poetry. And the scholars disagree over what May means. Some say it literally means the month May, which would make his name Hawk of May. And others say it comes from a common early Britonic name that I'm not pronouncing, but that means Hawk of the Plain. Which I find interesting because that would make him a bird of prey just like Merlin. Nice. <laughs> let the let the Merwain shippers fly. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Yeah, there are more debates on whether the name Gawain derives from Gwalchme at all, and depending on whom you believe, the meaning of the name also changes. There are other epithets that could have uh, that he could have according to what um, etymology you want to believe, like Wolf of the Plain, Errant Warrior of the Plain, or Bright Hair. <laughs> wow! Don't ask me. Like, this is my Wikipedia research at its best. <laughs> so he shows up... He would be a totally different character if he was blonde. Yeah. <laughs> he shows up in Welsh, English, and French literature. He has been mentioned in one form or another in some of the earliest legends about King Arthur, like as early as the 11th century before Monmouth's History of British Kings was published. He didn't become popular until later, though. The most notable work about him is the novel Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, in which he's portrayed as an excellent knight. And in the tale The Wedding of Sir Gawain and the Dame Ragnell, his wits and respect for women free his wife from a curse of ugliness. Right? So he's usually, or like, one of his roles is, Arthur, is being Arthur's nephew and a knight of the round table. He's almost always portrayed as son of Arthur's sister Morgoth and king of Lot, of Orkney and Lothian. His brothers are Agravain, Gaharis, Scareth, and Mordred. And he is best friends forever with Lancelot. He is portrayed as formidable, courteous, and compassionate. Fiercely loyal to king and family. He defends the young, the poor, and the women. He knows about herbs and can heal people. He has three kids, Florence, Lovell, and I think it's pronounced Lovell, and Gingalane. And in some versions, 
uh, Gawain has superpowers by which he becomes stronger the sunnier it is. So he's mightiest around noon and weakest around sunset and at night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I love him so much already. <laughs> is there a superhero like that actually has those kinds of powers? I don't know, but it, there needs to be one and it needs to be called Gawain. <laughs> Or Gwalchme. <laughs> so let's back up to the literature for a second, because it's important how Gawain as a character was changed over time. So the Norman translation of Monmouth's work painted Gawain as a man who valued courtliness and love over fighting skills, which means he's a lover, not a fighter. It was Chrétien, the same dude who created Lancelot that made Gawain popular in France, and it was also Chrétien who wrote Gawain as popular with women and his uber-chivalrous ways. And this characterization became the most popular. He becomes the awesome sidekick who values the strict rules of courtliness over the spirit of the rules. And like, we talked about, like, I think we, we uh, mentioned this in reference to Lancelot, but like there, we need to talk about the alignment chart because that sounds a lot like Lancelot, where like, uh, following the rules exactly rather than the spirit of the rules and that's what Chrétien turned Gawain into and apparently that's the kind of character Chrétien likes to write so there's other French literature that depicts him as pure of heart proud and worldly and the same source material also tells us that he tries to stop Agravain and Mortran from exposing Lancelot and Guinevere which is something we touched on in our episode about um, the legends and how they were adapted on the show that Gawain refuses to stand guard over Guinevere's execution like she was supposed to be burned at the stake for betraying Arthur and then Lancelot shows up and kills all of Gawain, Gawain's brothers except Mordred because as we just mentioned Mordred is fated to survive and then Gawain and Lancelot are no longer BFF and Gawain goes as far as to draw, so go so far as to draw Arthur into a war with Lancelot in France. An op a opportunity that Mordred uses to seize the throne in Britain. And then Gawain is mortally wounded in the battle against Mordred's army, and then writes a letter to Lancelot to say that he's sorry and beg for his forgiveness, and in the same breath to also ask Lancelot to please come home and fight against Mordred, because obviously Gawain is wounded now. Yeah. <clears throat> then yeah. Mallory showed up and wrote Mort uh, d'Arthur, for which he used most of Gawain's bad sides from the French literature, literature and only some of the good ones from earliest versions of the character. And this version from Mallory is the version that most modern adaptations base their Gawain on. It also picks up the plot of Gawain refusing to have anything to do with the punishment of Guinevere and Lancelot for their infidelity and follows the plot except for how Gawain's sons are killed as well. And later Lancelot lies weeping at Gawain's grave for two days. And now I'm I'm low-key shipping Gawain-Salot. And <laughs> come to think of it, I've written Gawain-Salot. <laughs> Listen, I don't blame you for low-key shipping them. I mean, the legends pretty much write it, so, yeah. you know, it's fine. Yeah. About Gawain and the ladies, um... I... No homo. <laughs> no homo! <laughs> no, listen. He's 
he's been called the maiden's knight because he's the defender of all women but is not exceptionally linked to any like there is dame ragnell in that one tale and then there are some fairy ladies in some mythological uh, stories and there is lady bertilock who gives him kisses every day and because gawain has a deal to give anything he receives during the day to lord bertilock the lady's husband Gwen ends up kissing the man on a daily basis. Hell yeah. So, yes, homo. That is absolutely hilarious. That's I am also living. yeah, this is uh this is also in uh uh is also linked to the story about uh his girdle that he wears because he receives the girdle from the lady as a gift. I think it's from the lady that he receives the girdle as a gift and like it's supposed this this girdle is supposed to protect him against all dangers and he does not give it to Lord Bertilak. So uh like he fails to honor his his deal with this Lord and then Gawain continues to wear the girdle as a reminder of his own failure. My tragic baby. <laughs> God he's so extra. I love him <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, if you were going to be one of Arthur's knights, though, you had to be extra because the dude is literally like, a, like his his entire character hinges upon being burdened by destiny, and like he just sits in his castle and gets the his knights to go out and do these quests for him because he's so burdened by destiny he can't leave the house. <laughs> like that is basically him in a nutshell. <laughs> so I mean. Are you really surprised? No, <laughs> like, not at all. We also, like I said before, but I think we also uh, ranted at length about Gawain's character in the Legends in our episode about Legends versus show and how uh, Gawain was robbed of most of his characteristics on the show. Although I got a feeling that that wasn't just the show's fault, like... Mallory and the French definitely helped. It's yeah, it's, it's always the French. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, so, the French. sorry. Any French <laughs> listeners, we love you. <laughs> yeah, but the French oh, listen, also gave blame. us Lancelot, so I'm not, I'm not, I, I can't be mad at them for giving me Lancelot and Guinevere. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right. So now that we that we learned a little bit more about the boys in the legends, or them not being in the legends. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about them on the show and see what what happened there. Let's start again with Leon because he hasn't had much screen time yet. Leon is there. Leon is there. He's introduced in season two, episode two, and became a recurring guest, even though he wasn't supposed to be in more than one episode. Which again reminds me of that of that special that I just rewatched yesterday from with like. Rupert, where he like pretends as if Leon was a secret main protagonist of the show the entire time. Yeah, I've seen sets of that in the Tumblr tag, and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. That, that is like it's perfect. Freaking Bradley and Rupert had the <laughs> mini interview. Yeah, and oh, Rupert's God. just like, you know, the show is actually about Leon. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Apparently that's just a running joke with the cast, too, because <laughs> it's done in the commentary, too, between Katie and Julian. Oh. Because yeah. Julian's just like, oh, and Leon's still alive, and Katie's like, I feel like it's really his show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Pretty much. Are beautiful. It's, oh, it's amazing. amazing. Can we just appreciate that Leon's introduction into this show was Arthur yelling at him, What's wrong? I was wide open. You can't afford to hesitate. And Leon going, I was fearful I might injure you. <laughs> <laughs> Out of context, Merlin quotes, What do you mean this show is gay? <laughs> what do you mean this is a family show? That doesn't sound like family at all. <laughs> Oh my god. So yeah, I just feel like, you know, that that is setting um the tone for the episode going forward. <laughs> um yeah, Leon is Leon is so interesting because like you said, I I'm really curious as to their kind of thought process when they like hired Rupert and wrote this character because obviously he first appears in Once a Future Queen to kind of be um just a random night. No, I was just saying he was just supposed to be in that one episode. Yeah, to be like the uh, the one that is um, not like I'm not saying the antagonist to Arthur, but it's because of Leon that he decides to you know go incognito because you know he kind of is the representation of the what everyone thinks about him, you know. So it's like mm-hmm. the most knighty of the knights. Yeah, <laughs> and I wonder why he's because st- when do we next going? see him after Once and Future Queen? When uh, he's not in the night, is he in the Nightmare Begins? I don't remember when we next see him. Is it in the finale? Surely not. Oh, no, 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 no. He's in. He's in Sins of the Father because he's uh, like, it's like Merlin like runs up to the door and like he like pins Merlin against the wall and he's like, they're not to be interrupted and Merlin's just like, get the fuck off me! <laughs> like they're gonna kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny. Uh, um, but I think, I mean, he must be in in the background somewhere, like between those two episodes surely i think he's probably in the background somewhere i could i could look it up in my oh, statistics of course he is because he because he goes up to Uso when katrina's a troll yeah he's in beauty he's and the like, beast yeah, definitely he's, he's in beauty and the beast part yeah. two and then he's definitely obviously also in the last dragon lord because everybody was anxious about whether he survived or not and he was supposed to die but then he didn't but didn't <laughs> He's also in The Sins of the Father and Fires of Ear to Shoals, and then he shows up more in Series 3. Yeah, he was in every episode of Season 4, according to the Merlin wiki. So, I don't know if he has a speaking role every time, but he definitely shows up in every episode of Season 4. He was a cameo in The Secret Sharer. I, I don't understand why they have to specify on the wiki that it's a cameo, as opposed to him being there it's like isn't just all of his appearances a cameo then <laughs> i suppose it counts as a cameo when he doesn't speak does he speak in secret sharer he does i'm pretty sure he does oh, hold on now i'm gonna go fucking look at the but now you're yeah but now you're making me think what he does in season four which i don't think is a lot so what so why would that one episode be less important? leon has one line to aggravating oh well here you go that makes it <laughs> usually he has a line and a half yeah no he has he has one line which is basically you were right a stallion a white stallion has been taken from the royal stables with regards to gaius uh fleeing the city because he's quote-unquote the traitor that was a great episode because of Gwen. <laughs> 
Wayne was God, there. That was a good Wayne episode, though. Oh. My favorite Leon appearance, like, apart from the poetry scene, but there's one in season four that I think is my favorite scene that he's in is where um, Merlin goes into the armory to get, like, crossbows oh, yeah. and what have you. And he's like, oh, what, what are you going to use those for? It's like, to kill Arthur. Oh, is he, oh, he's driving you mad, is he? Not for much longer. And he's just, like, giggling. He's like, hold those two. Yeah, he's just laughing. Hold those two. Them and their like, horse play. It's just literally, like, but this is what I'm saying. Leon is such a great character because he really represents, like, what everyone else is thinking. And yes. it's just, like, this is literally how people see these two. And, like, you see a newcomer, like, Agravain come in when, like, in a deleted scene, Arthur's, like, running down the hallway being like, does he expect me to dress myself? You know, and he's, like... <laughs> and he's just so, like, flawed. I can imagine Leon going up to him like, it's okay. I know what this is. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Like, isn't there that famous gif of him just taking the jog out of Merlin's hand? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually basically. one super underappreciated scene that Leon shows up in, because he doesn't have a line, neither Merlin or him have a line, but it's when Arthur is wistfully looking out at his knights as they, you know, chat around the fire, and Leon reaches over and, like, ruffles Merlin's hair, and they're both John, super happy, and I'm just my like, favorite. oh my god. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, oh my heart, so we needed more of that. Yeah, we that's that's just the thing. Leon just gets along with everybody. Like Leon is friends with everybody or or just on good terms with everybody. Everybody likes him, everybody trusts him, he is loyal. Like it's just also very generic knight. He's yeah. you know exactly what you expect of a loyal knight who was under Uther's reign to kinda be is he's always there for Arthur, he's loyal to Arthur, he's uh always standing up for the people. Um, I will say one thing that was funny when I was browsing the tag is commentary about the scene where after Merlin gets hurt in uh, The Darkest Hour and Arthur's just like, we have to take Merlin back. We have to abandon the quest. And Leon's like, hold on. What about all the people who are dying? And Merlin's like, did I stutter? My husband is hurt. <laughs> and basically that's when Lancelot has to kind of come and be like, why don't I take care of your husband, and you can go. That's I mean, like, that's yeah, a ridiculous moment. That yeah. is really when you're just like clearly Arthur's priorities are just like when Merlin is fine, they are 100% with Camelot. Like he's gonna do anything for his people, and then Merlin gets hurt, and he's like, actually, never mind. Yeah, literally, that is Arthur, and this and is why Leon I love him. Leon has to sit here and be like, I understand that you care a lot about him. But people are dying. We need to take care of the kingdom first. And Arthur's like, what people? I don't see any people. <laughs> there are no people. Oh, oh God. God. Arthur is I such a mess. I love the scenes with Leon where he's like, um, because I think you're right. He is such a background character that when he does have those moments where there's actually a lot of like heart in his performance, it's really sweet. Like the one I'm thinking of particularly is, uh, uh, well, there's like three moments that I love with him. One is... um when he's the first one to step forward uh, to go and fight the dragon in The Last Dragon Lord, which is such mm -hmm. a wonderful moment. Like, I love that. And then there's, a, um, in the finale of season three, and, yep. uh, like, he's just so stoic and so loyal to... Cause at the, because at this point, he's still, like, he's loyal to Uther, which is what I really love, because, yeah, he is loyal to Arthur, but he's just loyal to Uther as well. Like, like that is who he's actually standing up for, in a way, because obviously Uther is still alive, and it's just, like... Yeah 
a lovely moment. I think that's not entirely correct. I think Leon's loyalty is to Camelot. Yeah. He cares about Camelot. He, I mean, he's loyal to Uther and Arthur because, you know, they're the royal family and they represent Camelot. And I think Leon eventually came to like Arthur and actually see him for his true potential. But I think ultimately Uther's, or Leon's just like, I love Camelot and I love her people and that's why I'm here to fight mm-hmm. for them. I just and had a thought. Anyone. I just had a thought the moment you said that. I was like, I just like, he's like Okoye from Black Panther. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, god. yes. That is so exactly- cool. only, only less badass, but like. <laughs> but then again, he does say that line which was my third scene, which is when they're round the round table and it's his turn to get up and speak. And he says, I fought beside you many times. There is no one that I would rather die for. So I don't know. I feel like maybe there's like something there that's like, he well, does have this like, I feel like special connection with Arthur because he can see like yeah. how, how, how good he is. I feel like Okoye doesn't like, you know, she is like pure, like badass, like duty. Like she wouldn't be like swayed but by she's, anyone. <laughs> she still likes, uh, T'Challa better than any of the others. Like but she, she still turns on him. She doesn't turn on him. She does her duty. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like you know, she's and like she wouldn't have done it if um hashtag Black Panther spoilers. Eri, if if Killmonger's if Killmonger's claim hadn't been just, then she wouldn't have like done it. But since his claim was just you know, that there was no reason for her not to do her duty. Yeah, true. Opposed to Morgana, who, as we discussed before, didn't actually have a legitimate claim on the throne for various reasons. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, that's true. Anyway, that was just that was just like uh you said like he's he's loyal to Camelot and I was like <gasps> Wakanda <laughs> Wakanda forever Camelot Leon's, forever. Leon's definitely loyal to Camelot, but like I said, I do think that at some point he did end up liking Arthur because he saw the potential in Arthur and started kind of correlating Arthur with Camelot. So he was just as he was loyal to Camelot, he was loyal to Arthur too. Um yeah. And I think as far as being loyal to Uther, that was more so because there's always that correlation between the king and country kind of thing. Like, the health of your king and the well-being of your king is the health and well-being of your country. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of where Leon was with Uther. Um, but also, we did have a moment where freaking Leon was a bit of an antagonist, too. Because in the Witchfinder, he's the one who finds the bracelet in... Uh, Gaius's chambers. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's the one who comes over. Is just like I found this, and it's like okay, but here's my question: How did that bracelet get there? Mm. Like, either Iridian came in while everybody else was out and put it in there, or he literally passed it to Leon and was like, "Put this somewhere and find it." Yeah. Because we're gonna out these sorcerers, so it's like, is maybe there's like a dark side to Leon, or were the writers just being stupid again? <laughs> Honestly, anything's possible. I'm pretty sure it's the writer's fault. Sir Leon is perfect. He would never do something like that. No, like, listen, I honestly I honestly don't think that if Eredian had given Leon the bracelet and told him to find it somewhere, yeah. Leon would not have gone for that. He would have gone to Arthur and be like, listen, this is what the dude just said to me. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to believe, too, because I'm just like, this, this again, came from me having to study character in order to roleplay. I'm just like, this is the one scene that's like a super big outlier for everything else about Leon is you have this scene where he's the one finding the bracelet, but nobody knows how the bracelet got there. And it could have been, you know, Iridian turning around paying off one of the knights to do it, or it could have been Iridian sneaking in beforehand. I would prefer to believe Iridian snuck in beforehand and just shoved things in there. I think that we're meant to assume that it was Iridian that got someone to do it, not Leon. Yeah, it, I have a feeling that's more likely the case, but that's just like the one scene where it's like he actually shows up in not a good light. Because every other scene that Leon shows up in, it's like, oh, look at this beautiful golden retriever. <laughs> I mean, it is really interesting to, you know, see characters, see like the darker part of characters. Because I feel like there are a lot of things that are kind of like cheats in Merlin. Yeah, Speaking of characters being flipped onto their dark side, Lamia, the episode Lamia, because that's one of the only episodes where we actually get a good portion of the episode being about the knights. Yeah. And what do they do? They make all the knights fall for the tits and literally just be assholes the entire episode. Like, yeah. that's the time in which we do see Leon being pretty much outright mean and cruel towards Merlin. Um, along with Percival being mean and toward mean towards Merlin and everybody else just being like, Grr. I mean, they also have this really. I don't remember what episode this is, but there's this really. I personally find it disgusting scene where they aren't mind controlled, where they all make like it's all the knights. They're they're going somewhere with Arthur, and Merlin is there and he's like making camp and cooking and then he's washing and everybody is just like oh no Merlin do this Merlin do that Merlin and then they pretend like they didn't leave him any food and I'm just like that's so awful why would you treat him like this oh I love it because I think that's <laughs> like them trying to make him feel like he's one of the gang and like kind of like teasing him I love that yeah, they're bullying like him they don't treat each other that way they literally only treat Merlin that way way in that instance yes but I think all of them kind of tease each other about you know the things that they do Arthur's always talking or always uh complaining about how Gwen talks too much or they're calling the you know, Percy just big <laughs> you know like they they like like they like literally move to the other side of the room when Gwen takes his shoes off because <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is for me like I can see your point but the thing is for me that there's like the knights among themselves, they're all of, like, equal status. And Merlin isn't. There's a power imbalance there. Which, yes, I get it. They were trying to make him feel included. But at the same time, there's a power imbalance there. So you have to find another way to make him feel included that doesn't involve him being abused. <laughs> Just a reminder that that entire thing was absolutely planned and staged by Arthur. Like, because <laughs> yeah. it was literally revenge for Merlin making an ass out of him with regards to the stew in his hair. Oh my god. That was the same episode. Oh, okay. is Arthur falls asleep on the table and gets stew all over his face yeah. and doesn't get completely cleaned. And everyone's just like, what is in your hair? Why have you got stew in your hair? Well, because he was reading. <laughs> Yeah. And so Arthur's just like, all right, Merlin, time to suffer. I'm, you are not going to put this down for the next three weeks. Yeah. That is true. But I feel, cause, cause I feel like Merlin's like actually smiling in that scene. I think he's like, yeah, at of, the end. 
Yeah, because he realizes it's a joke. Like He realizes, ah, it's bully Merlin time. Of course, at the end, he's smiling when he realizes it's a joke. But before that, he's already spent hours believing that they all just treat him for, like crap for shits and giggles. Like, Though I will say, I will say, it isn't uncommon for these knights to haze their new partners or new people because they do that to Mordred when he joins up with the knights. Like, there's that whole scene with him, you know, have you got your pants on backwards? Or he's melding with the saddle, that whole bullshit. Like, but Merlin this is isn't not uncommon new. for them to be a boys club. Merlin they isn't new. Fretting. Merlin isn't new. I know. To uh to redirect us a little bit. Um, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, like this is a a perfect coincidence. A friend of mine is going to cosplay a version of Leon um very soon, and she's doing research for this cosplay, and she just noticed for the first time, and I don't think anybody else has noticed this ever before. The knight in uh, season one, episode two, Valiant, the knight who gets bitten by the snake but survives until he's killed at the end completely, he has the same or a very similar crest on his shield that we see Leon wear in Once in Future Queen in season two, episode two. So I I looked it up. I just I just brought up the the shots on a far far away side. Interesting new head cannon <laughs> about family of Leon. First incarnation of Leon. Yeah, or maybe just like you know, um, family members of Leon, who then got killed. You know, that's that's interesting. I find that interesting. Sorry, get a real quick callback because I didn't even notice. Apparently, it wasn't even my idea that. Uh... Uh, Leon might be based about King Leon de Gratz because they mentioned it in the Merlin wiki. Oh. <laughs> I just scrolled down underneath like his appearances and it's like in the legends and it's just like, oh. Yeah, but you came up with it without reading that, so it still counts. It still counts. Yeah. Exactly. Also, there's an idea that he might be based on Sir Lionel, so oh. brother of uh, Boris de Ganis and cousin of Sir Lancelot and Sir Hector de Maris, so... I didn't even read that part of the of the Merlin wiki. I just was like, eh, Leon is not in the legends. <laughs> yeah, he's not in the legends. It's, listen, this is all like assumptions. Yeah, this is like grasping for straws, like finding some connection. You're trying. <laughs> well, they did something s- similar in Star's Camelot, where they had a a knight that was a really like important character called Leontes, and like, I mean, I don't think he's in the legends, and I was like. No. Why don't you just like give him a name that's already <laughs> and he marries he marries the character that's called Guinevere and she has an affair with Arthur and so it's like you could have just made him Lancelot. <laughs> Speaking of Leon and Guinevere, in the show they've known each other since they were children, as we find out in what is it, uh, three episode like three twelve three thirteen three thirteen where. Where um, she says that she's known him since they were children because her mother worked in his household. Oh, yeah, when she's trying to get him out yeah, of Yeah, exactly, when she's trying to convince Morgana to let her talk to him because he might trust her and then turn to the dark side. And then side. she makes him cross-dress. And then she makes him cross-dress, exactly. So, but yeah, it's it's interesting to me that Leon is like one of the best known characters from this show 
certainly the one we feel like we should know the best because he's in so many episodes and yet there's not that much character actually to him whereas Gwen is in fewer episodes but has still more character <sighs> sort of than Leon <laughs> But that's the difference between a character and a background character, though. Like, a background character is literally just meant to be there, to interact with Okay, people. but let's be real. Like, apart from, like, I think two and a half instances, Gwen is woefully underused. Like, we have season uh-huh. three, episode four, which is about introducing Gwen. We have... um. The one when Arthur goes to the Perilous Lands and has, like... Oh, the Eye of the Phoenix is what, what it's called. When uh, Merlin teams up with Gwen to help Arthur. That's... that's oh, hey. Yeah, which is really sad because Gwen is like, you're my only friend, Merlin. And then... That's it. And Merlin's like, hey, yeah. finger guns, and backslides <laughs> out the room. And then again, we have... And then it's uh, Gawain in the final two episodes, first with bringing, like, helping Merlin reach the caves, and then him being betrayed by uh, Era, I think is her name, and then going off with Percival to kill Morgana, only to be killed instead. <clears throat> I Sorry, I didn't mean killed, I meant... Uh, fall into a coma, out of which he wakes later. No, you don't understand. Percival smooched him, and he was all better after that. It is a <laughs> time of myth, or a legend of magic, or whatever it is. So, anyway, that's that's about all we have of Gwen. The rest of the time... That's when... not true! That's not true! Okay, please Momo, enlighten me! <laughs> Momo, you're, I'm kicking you off your own podcast. That's well, not true. Gwen <laughs> does show up in other areas it's just he literally gets reduced from being an actual like titular character who's supposed to be what arthur would be if arthur wasn't royal like yeah he goes from being that to being hey look at this background funny character that we has really witty one-liners that's what i was about to say that's like he shows up in other episodes but like his character gets reduced to like funny dude in the background who gets teased for drinking and eating a lot and speak and talking a lot. Listen, I'm down for this uh, apple or this cheese that tastes of apples. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I I'm that. all for Guapple is a legitimate pairing. Oh my god, it is. <laughs> I wonder no. though, because obviously that starts to happen in season four and we obviously see that happen in season four and season five and i wonder because there is season four and five feel very different from season three and it and i wonder if it's them trying to kind of take on this like more serious storytelling where there's like some kind of like through line however small of like what is going on like with the morgana stuff and the aggravane stuff and like them maybe getting found out and i wonder why it was that Gwen, who is obviously a fan favorite, who had, like you said, actual character episodes in season three, is reduced to that because obviously Lancelot is killed off. Uh, well, I don't want to say again, but he's gotten rid of again. So that's another titular knight that like would have had more to do and should have had more to do. And, and like who has an episode named after them. Yeah, and like, and so I wonder if it was just kind of. 
again, maybe it was the BBC putting pressure on them to kind of make it more dramatic, like put more focus on the villains, put more focus, because we obviously get a lot of Morgana and Agravain, and I, I couldn't really tell you much about what happens in, in season four. Like, there's not much that happens in terms of, like, character stuff. There's a lot of Mirtha, there's a lot of Arwen, there's a lot of Morgana, and not much else. And so I'm just a little bit like, maybe that's why the knights, because obviously Percival, you know, I mean, he's introduced and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. I think Tom even made a joke about how, what, what's your favorite line? He said, yes, yes, sire. sire. <laughs> so it's like, you know, so he kind of took a hit as well. And I wonder if maybe Gawain just, they just didn't know what to do with him because they had to focus on all this like dramatic they stuff. Definitely... They're like, well, they definitely dropped the ball with Gwen. I mean, they had him being a very interesting character in season three. And then season four, like, he has some, like, stellar moments when they actually bother to use him and actually write him into the show. Yeah. But for the most part, he really is kind of just there to make, you know, funny little jokes and everything. When when he has to fight for bread because Gaius is ill in the, in the dungeons and Gwen is just trying to, like fight fight more food and, and get them more food so that guys can live and all of that. So that's that's one little where like that's the Gwen I met in season three where he's like feisty and, and he takes no shit from anyone who hasn't proven themselves to him first. So other areas in season four where uh Gwen has a little bit more character Woo! is everyone's favorite episode, A Servant of Two Masters. He doesn't have a huge role in it, other than, you know, at the end where he's, like, trying to kill Merlin because Merlin just told him he has ale in his ears. Um, but also there's the part that everybody forgets, which is when Arthur goes to find Merlin, like, goes yeah. out searching for Merlin. Uh, Gwen is yes. the one who accompanies him, and yes. even Arthur's already pissed about that because he's like, great, you've just literally, like, punished me for going to look for Merlin. Thanks. But... As we're coming up to the scene where Merlin reappears, Gwen is talking in the background, and he's like, you know what I like about Merlin? He never expects any praise. All these things he does for the good of just doing them. And it's like, Gwen loves Merlin so much. Like, regardless of whether you're going to view it with shipper goggles or whether you're going to view it with, you know, they're really good friends, Gwen has a lot of respect for Merlin and thinks Merlin is just, like, the best thing ever. And he spends the entire ride talking about Merlin. Yes, and it's. I'm so... pretty sure that's why Arthur's just like, yes, I know, I know, Gwen, I know. I'm going to kill you. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's beautiful, and I I love it a lot. Yeah, this, but, the, but like this is, I think they kind of because obviously you know Merlin kind of because he's the main character, like, Arthur doesn't really get many, like, best friends, whereas, like, Merlin gets, like, and we've, and we've talked about this, how, like, the knights are, like, Merlin's best friends, not Arthur's best friends, which is obviously weird, because they're Arthur's knights, but, like, and that's why there's this disconnect between, like, Arthur and Lancelot, Arthur and Gwen, Arthur and all these other people, because they're actually meeting Merlin, yeah, and, yeah, of course, and so, like, you know, you have, but because Merlin and Lancelot, like, are separated because Lancelot was gone and then died, I feel like they brought in Gwen to give him that that support because, like, you know, he didn't have any of that. And Lancelot was, like, so supportive and so sweet, like, yeah. for the time that he was with him. And obviously then we have Gwen, who, I mean, never actually finds out about Merlin. <laughs> I was about to say that. 
sad. The but also, issue I have. like, it makes sense because there's no way that Gwen could have like kept that a secret for long. Oh god. That's true. I think he could have. That's true. <laughs> he would have yeah. spilled it the first day he knew. No, I think I think for Merlin he could have kept his trap shut. Maybe. Um, I disagree. <laughs> I, uh, I think he got drunk enough. Okay. Do you guys know Brooklyn Nine Nine? Yes. Yes. So there's that time where Charles finds out that Rosa is bi and he has to like keep it a secret. He's trying so hard, but he's bad at it. Yeah. I feel like that's how Gwen would be with Merlin's magic. Like he's like, oh man, you're magical. I mean, not like magical. I mean, like, you know, I'm just, uh, I feel like that's how it would be. The things Merlin does are just absolutely magical. I mean, not like he has magic or anything, but he's. He's really spectacular. So he inadvertently <laughs> makes everyone believe they're sleeping together by trying to cover up for the magic, is what you're yes, saying. Yeah. Please, please write me that I mean, not in real life, I mean, uh, in bed. <laughs> like, basically. Have you seen <laughs> the things Merlin can do with his hands? Oh my gosh. So, Mama, what was that you saying about him not being able to keep his mouth shut? Uh, I think he keeps his wide open. Oops. <laughs> He looks so much like Flynn Rider, it cannot be a it, No, it, but it can, because Tangled was released in December in 2010. Oh, no. Yeah, I think it was more just a coincidence that, like, maybe they saw some preview clips or something. We're just like, you know what, yeah, we, we want to kind of go in that direction with the directing. I mean, I always think of him that way in my head. I just think it's it's Owen. <laughs> I just think that's, that's Owen. That's just him. Yeah! Honestly... When you read Owen's Twitter and you hear about the shit he gets up to in real life, it's like, I think they didn't just, they didn't really direct him. They just said, Owen, here's a rough amalgamation of your lines. Just get out there and do your thing. And Owen's just like, sure. Because Owen himself is just the classical charming bard or rogue, whoever you want to classify him as. Like, and that's Gwen too, is Gwen is the charming rogue or the charming bard that you usually expect from a D&D party. Like, that's him. I know. That's... Like, and he's just so sweet in the first episode that he shows up in. And my favorite scene in that episode point. is when Merlin goes into uh, the chambers of the dudes that are, like, pretending to be the dudes, but they're not. <laughs> and, like, he goes to get the thing and, like, Gwen is like, oh, Merlin should be back by now. And, like, he goes in there and, like, while, like, Merlin's being, like, basically cornered by these guys, he's like, are you okay, Merlin? And Merlin just shakes his head like, no. He's <laughs> just like, no. and he's basically, like, is in front of the king and it's just like, I stepped in to protect Merlin. It's like, you've known him for a day. This is just he so sweet. loved him so Gwen much. It's just it like, like, I've only known Merlin for two hours, but I would die for him. Which is like how most people feel about Merlin, let's be real. There's two scenes with Gwen that I especially love. And we did bring up earlier the secret sharer in which, like, you could tell that Merlin is upset and not exactly trusting anyone at that time because everyone's trying to think that, you know, Gaius is the traitor and that he yeah. would act, that Gaius would actually do anything to hurt Camelot. And Merlin's upset by this because even Arthur's buying into it. So Merlin's sitting in Gaius's chambers trying to figure out what the hell this weird dirt that's on Agravain's shoes is. And Gwen comes in to check on Merlin. It's just like... He's just like, how are you? Okay? I missed you. It's, it's so like, I haven't seen you in a couple days. Is everything okay? I know you're probably taking it really hard that Gaius has disappeared. And, like, Merlin is 
he's on the defensive at this he point because really he, he's really like as soon as Gwen walks in, he like completely tightens up as just like I don't want to talk to you right now kind of stuff. And then Gwen's like, well, is there anything I can do to help? And Ron's like, you know what? Fine. What the hell is this? And of course, you have the blooper scene where it's just like a dead one of those. Um, <laughs> still a great one because it's just like, Colin, please, Aww. could you please be serious for a second? <laughs> but like leading so- on from that, like with the whole, because there's there's this thing that I remember at the time reading a lot on Tumblr, people being really, and like I was one of them, like being really upset at how like mean Merlin is to Gwen, especially in season five. Like, yeah. I just feel like he's constant. Like, isn't there a scene where, like, he's, like... I mean, I think w- the first scene is, like, when he's actually, like, not himself in The Servant of Two Masters. He's like, oh, it's not for you. It's uh, it's uh, for the prince. But I feel like in season five, Gwen is constantly doing things for him, like, in the background. And Merlin's just, like, really standoffish because he's, like, Arthur, Arthur, Arthur. And, like, yep. I get that. But I just wish that the writers had kind of, like, not made it so heartbreaking because, obviously, like... The last, like, thing that Gwen does for him is, like, oh, he literally, like, leaves this woman that he's, like, clearly into in bed because he's, like, oh, I have to go help Merlin. And, like, mm-hmm. Merlin never gets to find, like, you know, like, he never thanks him. Like, and they don't get, like, any kind of, like, nice scenes. And I, why do you think they made Merlin so standoffish, or... like, in season five? Do you think they meant that or was it just kind of yeah. a character trait of his in general? I think they kind of wrote it that way because they were trying to show that, like, Merlin essentially just hyper-focused on trying to keep Arthur alive at some point. And then I think initially it was also kind of like, you know, we don't have to worry about Gwen because Gwen has all these friends now because he's friends with the knights. Except Gwen is still like, but Merlin. I want to be friends with Merlin. Why aren't you acknowledging me, Merlin? I want to spend all my time with Merlin. In the first, the first time that Gwen shows up in that bar, like he joins in the fight, and then he like stops for a second and introduces himself to Merlin before Arthur, who was like the person who started the fight. He was just like, "Hey, I see you over there. How you doing? My name's Gwen. What's up? Can you hand me that jug over there? (laughs) Uh, Are you single? Can we date? Can I make? Can can we go make out? You interested? Or like, what's up? My bare chest is jiggling my pecs at you. What are you but doing this after this is bar so, fight? like, wonderful because, I, I mean, you know, as a character, he is so, like, you know, because you see him and you do expect him to kind of be Arthur 2.0. Like, that's exactly what you expect him to be. And in some ways he is, but he is, I feel like, Gwen, and this is going to sound really weird because, like I said, I just rewatched episodes one and two of season five last night, and I don't really watch those episodes, so I forget. But I feel like, Arthur became a lot more like what Gwen was in the earlier seasons in that season in the way that he treats Merlin because he's actually very gentle with him he's very tender he's very understanding he's very kind of like he'll come and sit by him make sure he's okay he doesn't really shout at him he's very like attentive and that is basically like what you see Gwen doing in like season three where he's and then like you know going forward where he's very much like you expect him to kind of be this like you know big man on campus but he actually like I said he just sees this guy who clearly doesn't have any friends who clearly is like not really of the same kind of vein as him because Gwen's like you said the one that drinks and the one that parties and Merlin is the one that stays home and you know doesn't do any of that fan in theory here what if the reason why Arthur changes to become more like that in season five 
is because of Gwen because he's hung out with Gwen too much. And Gwen has basically just slowly influenced Arthur is just like, hey, you know how you hit Merlin? Maybe don't do that anymore. You know how you're always yelling at Merlin? Like, Merlin does a lot for you. Maybe you shouldn't yell at him. It was that Servant of Two Masters, two hour long <laughs> trek through the forest looking for Merlin and yeah. Wayne just being like, oh man, Merlin and I did this thing. It was so much fun. Man, he's such a great guy. <laughs> After that, Arthur was just like, yep, okay, this is this is how it is now. <laughs> I wish we'd had a scene like that. He's like, wait, Gwen has better chances to win Merlin over than I have. Clearly I need to do something. So that's that's just Arthur like one-upping Gwen on being nice to Merlin just to get into Merlin's trousers, let's be real. But he's been doing that for ten years. Yeah. Or maybe he's just like, um, uh, you know, like maybe in the three years that we didn't see like maybe they broke up and like Merlin was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. It's like, you know, you're hurting me. Maybe we should take a break. And then like Arthur was just like, you know, and then while they took a break, Arthur married Gwen and Merlin was like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I would like to talk about Gwen's backstory because I feel like we need more information. Yes, please. Because when he was first introduced in like season three, we got so many hints about his backstory, but we didn't actually like get it fully. And I feel like, and especially because, like, there's so much space between, you know, uh, when we first see him and then when he comes back in the, um, you know, the bravery, strength, magic episode. And then there's some more space between that and the finale. And he's just, you know, going from town to town. And I really want to know why he so, does that and what happened. And I'm just very upset about it. So the things that I picked up on from the series as a whole, I'm not going to reference specific points because I do know that Gwen talks about his family life in his intro episode. Like, he mentions that uh, he was born to a knight and his father died fighting for Carleon. Um, but after his dad died, like, Carleon's just like, well, fuck you. <sighs> like, literally said fuck you to his family because his mom went and is just like, please help us. We don't have any money left now that my husband's dead. And he's just like, not my problem. Was his Sorry. mother not a noblewoman, though? I feel like maybe was was that it? it? Was she a peasant? I think she might have been. The way that they're inferring to it, it doesn't seem like she was of noble birth. Right. But, I mean, we also, like, we know that in Camelot, you have to be of noble birth to be a knight. But we don't know that that's true in Carleon. Like, you could right. have been a random peasant and be a knight. I would like to refer to... um our episode on Legends versus Show, where, I'm sorry, I forgot who it was, but uh, one of our guests pointed out that it's literally bullshit that a knight's widow would not be supported after her husband's death, because bullshit. But, yeah, that's just as a side point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his backstory is bullshit, but... <laughs> But no, so, like, that's the whole thing behind that, and I, listen, Merlin Wiki, I know that you're trying to tell me that, like, oh yeah, there's all these little things that he has that are heirlooms, but that was never confirmed in the show, because they're trying to say in here that he had a gold ring and a dragon scale necklace that has his family crest, it's like, but that's not canon. 
It's literally just Owen's own jewelry that he just refused to take off. Because of that whole thing with Carleon, like, that's the reason why Gwen's like, I don't really want to become a knight because I don't trust the nobility. I think that they're all shit because they don't care about people. So and he's then, basically willed, but nicer. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's literally will, but nicer. Will. He's willed, but with better hair. Yeah, yes. and with a much better accent. And like, <laughs> right yeah, down, he's... right down to wanting to be Merlin's boyfriend, he is Will. <laughs> oh my god! One thing I'm confused about because I can't remember where it's mentioned, but I know that Gwen mentions he has a sister somewhere in the show. Yeah, he does, and I don't remember either where it was, but he does mention having a sister, which is weird because in the legends, I think he only has brothers. He only has brothers, yeah. Yeah. Although I think there is a version where he actually has a sister, but for the most part, he only has brothers. Now, wouldn't it have been more interesting and he would have been woven into season five much more fully had Mordred ended up being his long-lost brother? Oh, God. Let's... Oh, Oh, God. Right? I don't know how I feel about that. Listen, Anything to give me more Gwen, I'm on board with, to (laughs) be honest. That's what I'm saying, you know? Yeah, so... Why is he so tragic and sad? Why doesn't he live in one place? You know what? You know what? For as tragic and sad as his backstory is, though, like, he's a pretty happy guy. So I gotta give him props for that. Is he? No. I mean, he's lonely, but... Yeah, really Merlin doesn't help. Yeah, no, Merlin doesn't help. He's also permanently drunk. How, How come... How come that if he feels so bad for... You know, his family not having any money. Like, what happened to his mother that he's not, like, with her, helping her? Did she die? Yeah, because they never mentioned that she dies or anything. Same with his sister, like... He might not like her, but he's still, like, head of the family, presumably, uh, because he never mentions any other siblings or anything like that. So maybe he's head of the family. Shouldn't he be responsible for... His widow mother and his sister. You just put Gwen and responsible in the same sentence and I have to stop you there. (laughs) That's not a thing. Gwen is a responsible person, though, but for the people he cares about. But he does have a line in, um, in Gwen, the episode, like, I hate it when this happens. He has one in Gwen where he says to Merlin, I never stick around one place for too long. People get sick of me too quickly. So that's why he moves around so much. It's because people just don't want him around. Maybe his mother kicked him out. Well, because he drinks a lot and always leaves him with the dead. <laughs> Maybe his he mother kicked him out. He, listen, he acknowledges that he's an annoying fuck, okay? I love <laughs> this. Like, my, my favorite uh, bit with Quain is where... Um, like Merlin goes down to the tavern to find him and it's just like a jump cut to him going you drank all this and then Gwen just goes with some help from my new friends <laughs> it's just, and then everyone's like Bye. I just no listen that's the best scam of all is being told that you know Arthur's gonna pay for everything because he wants you to be comfortable and so Gwen goes to the tavern and buys drinks for everyone oh my but that's but that's but that's what is, I'm saying. Like he, he is like you know wants to be comfortable, so he just like buys for everyone. He wants everyone to have a drink. He doesn't want to have it all for himself. He does it because he wants people to like him. But even better is it also sticks it to Arthur. Yeah, both. Yeah, both. <laughs> he does it so people will like him, and also to stick it to Arthur. Who then takes it? Who then takes it out on Merlin? So great job. <laughs> No, because they no, because they both have to polish shoes. Because that, yeah. that's where we get that beautiful line of Arthur is a thoroughbred little braggart. 
Yeah, but Arthur literally said he can have anything he wants, and then he goes back on it. Like, Arthur is a butt. Arthur's a dick. Yeah. Come on. Well, that, you know, we you also... know really have whatever he wants? Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> That's the scene where we own... It's the one and only time we hear him being called Gawain, and it's when uh, Arthur's like, oh, are you feeling all right, Merlin? And then he, like, gets that piece of paper and starts reading from it and he's like 14 pickled egg or something like that and and Mother goes that was Gawain and he says it like that and I'm like that's what mm-hmm. <laughs> also one thing I love is um I feel so sorry for Colin because literally it seems like they ha- he has a clause in his contract where every Irish actor that comes on this show is allowed to be Irish but him because like <laughs> every time he's in a scene with someone who's Irish I feel that like I can feel it's so much harder for him to keep his accent not that he ever really breaks it but when he first meets Gawain and Owen's like what do we call you then and he just goes Merlin and he has that like little mer and I'm like oh god it's been a while since you've been a scene with Katie isn't it (laughs) so we talk about Gawain's oh I don't know relationship whatever but his scenes with Gwen because they're quite interesting to me like the fact that he like goes straight for her when he... so he tries to flirt with her yeah. and she's not having any so of it cute. which surprises me because i mean let's be honest at this point in the show she's in love with arthur who is much more unlikable than what gwen's doing and he yeah, right so why did listen, she like she's just not into him she's listen you can totally have someone walk up to you with the exact same personality as the person you're attracted to and not be attracted to them oh yeah i sure. don't it's know just, why humans are weird it's just funny to me that like in in the context of the show you have someone who is like much like extremely likable really sweet and like just doing something a little bit goofy and then there's arthur who is just was pr- really mean to her for a while and i'm like oh my God, right <laughs> what are you doing with your life what did you say your name should be esmeralda or something like that and i'm just oh, like princess princess esmeralda <laughs> like what that makes no sense at all he had some really good ones oh why don't i remember she gives them her a little daisy or something yeah and she gives it back and then there's this is forever cute pick where he just puts it in his mouth and it's just like that's just a really adorable. That's yeah. how he looks then. Oh well. It is like he is like the ultimate like non-threatening guy. Tm like. Let's talk about the boys a little bit in fandom because that's also okay. interesting. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go ahead. Are we still talking about Leon? I forgot about him. <laughs> Leon Not is the show. Who, who doesn't forget about Leon, unfortunately? The poor lad. Fanfic, I guess. I couldn't name you one role that he has in it. Yeah, I I sat down to write the script, and like I like to like come up with like like very stereotypical jobs and occupations and things that these characters do do in in fanfics especially like in modern au's and i just for leon i just have a bunch of question marks because like what does he just does whatever arthur does like whatever arthur is he's his like best man yeah or he yeah literally he just like leon doesn't have jobs i mean he has jobs usually it's just never really clear what his jobs are usually it's something working for arthur's company or some, or like if Arthur isn't the boss of a company, then they're just having the same job. They're working in the same job, and it's just like wait, wait. 
You guys have seen Leon and Fick? I have. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, as a side character. The only Fick that I can remember that he appears in, and this is just because I recorded it, <laughs> was Good Times. Because him and Merlin have a scene where, like, Leon's, like, picking up on the fact that maybe things aren't that good between Merlin and Arthur, and then Arthur accuses Merlin of, like, cheating on him with Leon, and it's just, like, a whole thing. So, yeah, he's at, he, has, he has lines in that fic. Wow. <laughs> but, like, that was literally my... When I came to this section in the script, I'm just like, Leon, I almost never see him in fic. Like, I don't encounter him much in the fandom. Um, Actually, today is probably the first time I have. I want to I wanna say that I have, but... I like apart from my own stuff and the ones that I specifically sought out where he was like main character-ish like I couldn't name you one but I'm pretty sure he is a background character in a lot of fakes actually like a lot of Merthyr fakes at least because he always like when he's there he's usually like Arthur's best friend who just talks sense into him like like there is a fake I remember it there is a fake um, I forgot what the name was, but um, Texas Fandoodler did some art for it, and it's a story set in the U.S. Uh, where Merlin moved after his husband died, I think, or maybe they moved there together for some reason. And Merlin works um, in a in a in a retirement home. And cares for Uther and then Arthur comes to visit and Morgana and Leon are together and married and have kids and Arthur goes to talk to them a bunch. So Leon does show up in figs. <laughs> yeah, I feel like every time I see Leon, if he is more than just like somebody Arthur plays like football with, he's usually uh, like with Morgana and that's when we see him. It's just like he's talking about the next thing he has to do with Morgana yeah. or something there's like that. There's also there's another Merthyr fake where I don't remember even what the what the plot was, but like Morgana is pregnant. She's married to Leon and Merlin and she are sitting in the bathroom and Merlin is like like she's like encouraging Merlin to to touch her boobs to feel how swollen they are and and, and Leon comes in and is like are you fondling my wife <laughs> something like that I feel that. like I may have read that fic a long time ago like back in there, there's definitely a part fic of it but I don't remember what what the name is um so yeah Leon does show up he's usually like yeah he's something in the background where he's Gwen also like what is what does Gwen do he's like uh, he's he flirts with people. Actually, Wayne so, is just like the flirty person who's like suggesting, like, ah, just jump his bones or something. Or he's so, Merlin's best friend, like, just kind of there as Merlin's best. Friend. Like, I'm thinking less specifically... Freya as Merlin's best friend. Or Will, or Lancelot, or yeah, lots of people. <laughs> Merlin has a lot of friends. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking um, specifically the uh, the sex shop around the corner. I think isn't he Merlin's best friend in that one? Yeah, and like Arthur gets like really jealous because they're like super handsy and like like really like kind of tactile best friends, and he thinks that they're together, but they're not, and it's like a whole thing. Even and they uh, should be. there's also oh god, I just remembered another sad Merwain fic that actually ends in Merthyr, and I ah, oh, what is the name? I think it's paint the world in orange and blue something like that where Merlin is like they're all reincarnated and Merlin has dreams 
and he's an artist and then he gets together with Gwen and they're like really happy and then Merlin and Arthur feel like super drawn to each other and they start remembering their past and then Merlin cheats on Gwen with Arthur and then eventually finally tells Gwen the truth and breaks up with him and they're just like then Gwen is just really upset. So speaking of that, uh, that pretty much has been my experience with Gwen in the Merlin fandom, with the exception of the fact that, like, also consider, I mostly end up reading Merthyr Fix when I do read Merthyr Fix, and I very rarely do go into, like, the super long ones that have lots of plot and everything. So since I mostly read Merthyr Fix, I unfortunately get to see all the bad ways in which fans use Gwen. Aww. And it makes me so sad. That's why, like, you guys are talking about, like, all these fics where it's like, oh, yeah, Merlin gets together with Gwen and then dumps him for Arthur. And I'm just like, my soul is hurting right now because that's literally every Merthyr fic that involves Gwen is Gwen is one of two things. He's either the best friend or he's the throwaway boyfriend. That's like, also that's also true for Lancelot, which is fun because you were on that episode as well. <laughs> yeah. And this is my problem is stop doing my boys dirty. Like, give them proper time and attention, or don't go down that path, please. Like, I understand I'm, you want the trauma, but stop hurting them. They hurt I, enough. I think that's going to be really great, because I do love the tragedy, but I do agree with uh, Tori that it's uh, the proportion of stories about them being background or them being taken advantage of or those kinds of things like I you know I'm here for like a good sad story every once in a while but like can we have a happy ending that doesn't have like a little asterisk at the end yeah no yeah or like maybe maybe a fic that like has Merlin and Gwen having just broken up but they've amicably broken up and then it goes into Merthyr like you were saying intended was it's like Something like that, having more of that, where it's like, they're not having some sort of fallout, and Merlin's not, you know, this terrible person who cheats on Gwen because he falls in love with Arthur, or using Gwen as, you know, the rebound boy. Like, yeah. stop stop doing that to him. Um, granted, I have yet to read a bunch of Merwain fix. I've only read, like, a handful of them, and of course most of them have been explicit PWP. Um, yeah. But I will fucking say that the few that I have read, just so good. So good. <laughs> I'm just like, it's tender, it's loving. Gwen and Merlin actually care about each other and, like, are enjoying their relationship. And there's no, like, overtone of Merlin's only doing this because he can't have Arthur, which I've also read a couple of those, and those make me upset. It's just like, I didn't come here for Merthyr. I came here for Merwin, you fuck. Yeah, oh. Uh... That That's is annoying, like, if you come, like, into a fic for a specific pairing, and then it's just, yeah, like you said, kind of, oh, but it, but they're really thinking about this person, like, maybe mm -hmm. don't, yeah, that, that's Yeah, just maybe don't tag it with that ship. Yeah. Yeah, that's just so, really shitty. Speaking yeah. of ships, um, this is what I'm gonna have to look into, because I only found out about it yesterday, is, is that Gwen X Leon rare pair, like, <laughs> I actually do want to read those fics. <laughs> that's perfect, because, uh, I do stats. And I love them. Um, what do you guys think are like the like the most popular ships for either Leon or Gwen? Leon Morgana. Mm -hmm. uh, Gwen Percival. So Leon Morgana, Gwen Merlin, and Gwen Percival. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the actual top five Leon ships are Leon and Morgana, with over four hundred works on Ao3. And then Gwen Leon, 
with 140 works. Then oh, damn, I could get that out in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> go on. Then there's a Gwen Leon with 94 works. Really? Yeah, I like Gwen Leon. I've I've written to in them into a couple of fics. I like them. I feel like that's kind of a ship that people are just getting into, like, like post-finale, because obviously he's the only one left. I was just saying to a friend yesterday that I sort of had this headcanon where uh, Gwen and Leon married after, like, 5.13, like, a while later, once Gwen was done grieving and stuff, uh, just so that the line would be secured, you know. Mm-hmm. That's That's my headcanon. Then uh, fourth uh, most common Leon ship is Leon Mythian, with over 80 figs. And finally, in, in, in fifth place, is Leon Arthur with 72 figs. I'm surprised there's any. <laughs> I'm surprised there isn't more, because he's like the first person he has communication with in the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whereas Leon and Morgana don't even speak. They do now. <laughs> no, they do. Well, they do, when Morgana is threatening. <laughs> yeah, when yeah. they're in public, but not like an actual scene together. <laughs> and then the top five Gwen ships are Gwen Merlin with 890 works. Wow, I need to read some of those. It's not enough. I did not filter out the Merthyr works from these. So these 890 Merwain works are probably like 95% Merthyr because I did not check. So then in second place is Gwen Percival with uh, almost 570 works. Wow. Yeah. Third place, Elena Gwen. That's okay. right. I forgot that that's the one crack ship that I still don't understand how we came up with it, but um, people just decided it works. Yeah. It's a crack ship. I, I think it came about because, you know, Elena is kind of wild, but also awesome, and so is Gwen, so they would obviously make a good couple. I feel like there had to be a single solitary fic that came out that, like, had them as a background set or something that was really popular, and everyone just latched onto it. But I know so what you're saying. A... I feel like I've read a fic where they're like married, like in the background, and or like dating or something, yeah. and like everyone just really latched onto it. There's like Catch Me a Catch, in which Elena Gwen is an equal pairing to Merlin Arthur, the, uh, in which Merlin is a matchmaker. Then there is um, All I Want for Christmas is You, in which they are a background couple who help Arthur buy things for his puppy. That might be the one. And then That's... and then there's one, uh, a relatively short one, I think, which is called The One with Elena and Gwen's Wedding. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> That's a good title. On the nose. Yeah. I think it might be the Christmas one, because that's the only one I've actually read. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, third place for Gwen pairings with uh, 163 works. Then fourth place is Gwen Arthur with almost 160 works. Nice. And fifth place, Gwen Morgana with 153 works. Yeah, I don't think any of those really super surprised me. I think it was just the numbers that surprised me. But there's a huge difference between, like, second place and third place. Holy fuck. I find it interesting that for Leon, Gwen Leon is in second place, but for Gwen, it's in sixth. Like, it didn't even make the list. (laughs) It's in sixth place. Well, I don't find that surprising at all. Because with Leon, it's like... There's not, I feel like with Gwen, because of his flirty personality, it's really easy to ship him with whoever. But with Leon, it's kind of just like, well, this kind of makes sense. Let's just have this dynamic here. 
I think also in general people just don't think about Leon. Yeah. Yeah. I also checked, uh, because I find that interesting, I checked their character tags on A3. So the character tag for Leon is like Leon parenthesis Merlin. And there are 3,200 works tagged with Leon, but only 1,160 once you exclude Merthyr from that search. Wow. And So he's just the background character for like 2,000 different works. Yeah. And for Gwen, uh, the character tag is Gwen parenthesis Merlin, which is a subtag I think of uh, Gawain from from the legends. But like because all the incarnations of a character get put into the into the main tag, but like for just Gwen from our BBC show Merlin, it's Gwen parenthesis Merlin, and there are five thousand eight hundred seventy works with Gwen. And once you exclude Merthyr, it shrinks down to 2,278. It's not that bad. Uh, I mean, it's less than half. Yeah, but it's like, if you think about when we did the Arwen episode and how that shrunk after you got rid of Merthyr or like stuff like that, I think that's actually quite alright. <laughs> like, it's in the thousands. Yeah. You know, it's, you know. Basically, it sounds like both Leon and Gwen are kind of equal on that as to the percentage of uh, works that are Merthyr based. Yeah, true. I just can't believe that Gwen never got. I mean, okay, whatever. Like, um, uh, this lady in like the last few episodes, like, was kind of his thing, but he never got a love interest, which always surprised me because, a, it seems like he would be the perfect pickings for like, um, like a lead for like a romantic pair. Like I said in in um, when we talked about uh, Gawain from the Legends, like apart from. This one tale with the with the Dame Ragnell, which now I realize where Lady Ragnell's name name comes from, like the author Lady Ragnell. Uh, but like apart from that Dame and this other mythological tale where he has something with a uh, fairy people, I I don't remember. Like he isn't really linked to women in the legends either. Like Gawain might be the knight of maids, like the Maiden's Knight. That's what his title is. And like defender of all women, but he isn't actually really linked to any or to many. Yeah, but he's Gwen. not really like Gawain at all in any other respect. And he has so. so Gawain doesn't have a love interest. He is the love interest. <laughs> wow, that's deep. There we go. Speaking of love interests and all of that, let's get to some recommendations. Who of our guests wants to start? I could start. Mine's fairly short. There's not a lot um, for Leon, so that's kind of why I was browsing the Tumblr tag earlier, because I'm just like, the only one I can think of who really has ever like included Leon in stuff has been laupendragon.tumblr.com, uh, and mostly in her Merthyr comics that they're doing. He at least gets characterization there. <laughs> Whimsy did some stuff because i love whimsy so much but you know she did a really short series that was like leon and arthur growing up together and like it has you know the first one where they first meet and then the second one where like arthur got hurt so leon's bandaging him up and the third one is i think it's supposed to be essentially that scene um that we talked about in the show but never actually got to see which is when arthur went out and uh the Druids got killed on his watch. Oh, yeah. I saw so, that. 
Suzanne. Yeah, so that art is inspired by that, that Arthur's seeking comfort from Leon because he can't handle the fact that women and children were murdered in front of him. It's like, oh, my boy, my my poor boy. Leon's such a good man. For Gwen, I'm just going to suggest one person because they've been on my radar a lot since uh, starting the Merwain blog. I, and I'll wreck myself. Go follow MerwainForever.tumblr.com. There you go. I was going to wreck that one. <laughs> <laughs> but also go check out GrumpyCakes.tumblr.com for some Merwain art. Um, they do a lot of really cute art, including one that was like, Merlin and Gwen dancing together, and there's little magic fluffies around them. It's just like, oh my god, I'm dying. <laughs> I will definitely follow that blog because I feel like I need to just get Moen out of my system now. <laughs> because yeah, there you go. It, it'll it. help you. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> All right. What about you, Shakes? Um, so I'm terrible at finding fix because everything is Merlin Arthur, and then I just get distracted. Um, yep. So the one that I found was, it's actually on LiveJournal. It's by Summer Day, and it's called Mine, parentheses, or Five Times Gwen Came in Second Place to the Bloody Prince of Camelot, and One Time He Didn't. Um, so that is uh, one. And then the other one I found was a lot, this uh, Tumblr called Fractionally Camelot. Uh, and they have a lot of Gwen Leon. I've only read a little bit of it, but it seems like whenever I looked for Gwen and Leon, it was just mostly this Tumblr. So just the whole Tumblr, fractionallycamelot.tumblr.com, uh, seems to be really into the Gwen Leon business. I've definitely read more fics, but I just, I guess I didn't bookmark them and I can't find them again. So I would just recommend writing more Merlin Gwen for me. <laughs> I have a couple of wrecks. Um, the first one is the Leon Knightley series by Clea. It was Patrick by Vodka112. It is Leon Gwain. It's modern AU. And Leon is a low-ranking noble or commoner. I don't remember exactly. And he uh, goes to university and his roommate is Gwain. And Leon is, like, there's definitely traces of, like, an OCD personality in him. Like, he's very obsessed with neatness, cleanliness, and, like, things having, like, everything having a proper order and, like, everything, like, being just so. And he's also very much obsessed with, like, marrying rich and climbing up the social ladder. And Gwen, like, I'm, I'm spoiling this a little bit, but it's also, like, kind of pretty obvious from like early on in the series is a noble who hides his status or just like he does just never mentions it and like goes to some length to hide it from leon and he's also messy and like just generally how he is on the show like he drinks a lot he goes out a lot you know he has fun a lot and Gwen has a crush on leon and uh just tries to make this known and just leon takes forever to catch on and then there's this whole scene where um Gwen convinces leon to go out to the pub with him and there they meet arthur who's actually the prince of wales in this in this story and leon is just like oh my god that's the prince of wales oh my god that's the prince of wales and like every and, and arthur is just like really upset when when leon calls him like uh, like his proper title and anything, Arthur is just like trying not to be the Prince of Wales for a change. 
So, and yeah, and then they get together and it's all, and then Leon still doesn't know that Gwen is actually a noble. And it's, uh, there's some, some awesome angsty bits there, but, um, all very, very awesome. It's like currently at, um, 20,000 words overall. It's rated teen and the series is not complete yet. Like Clea definitely has intentions to write more, but like it stops at a pretty good point like where it stops like there's definitely things that need to still be addressed um it's sort of open-ended but not really open-ended because there's like uh, a timestamp set way in the future that sort of like when you read it is like okay things at the end of this fic turned out all right because we have this timestamp in the future which is like just really cute slice of life kind of thing so Definitely go and check it out if you have any interest in Leon slash Gwen works. The, both the podfic and the story itself are pretty awesome. And I'm going to quickly do something that I don't usually do. I'm going to uh, self-wreck for like two and a half things of my own. Um, and please forgive me for this. I Like I said, I don't usually do this, but like I did write Leon into a couple of things and I just want to share. So the first one is Christmas holidays aren't what they used to be, which is sort of a fusion with the Christmas rom-com movie The Holiday, in which Arthur lives in the US and Gwen lives in the UK and they switch homes for the holidays. So Arthur meets Merlin in the UK and Gwen meets Leon in the US and Leon is a singer-songwriter in this story and it's like it's pretty equally about both relationships like both the Gwen Leon and the author Merlin like I tried to make it as equal as possible definitely both couples get their explicit sex scenes so um yeah that is thanks mama <laughs> you're welcome so that is one then um there is Road of Ruins which is another movie fusion fic that I wrote about um, Merlin fused with Mad Max Fury Road. And um, I have the Gwen Leon Lancelot OT3 in this one, which this tag did not exist on AO3 when I posted my fic to it. So now the tag exists because I posted a fic to it. And um, all three of them get their individual point of view. Seems like there's a lot of characters in the story and... A lot of them get their own point of view scenes, some of them more than one. I think Gwen, Leon, Lancelot each have at least two in this story. And um, there's also a bonus figlet that's like a prequel to Gwen's personal story, but that one is like really angsty and like kind of gory. You definitely should read the warnings and heed the warnings for both the main story and the like the, the prequel extra bonus thing but good thing is there's also a piece of art by whimsy catcher who uh illustrated this for me because it was my acbb from last year and in this piece of art like she did several illustrations but there's one of the ot3 all of them together making out yeah yeah. so uh, road of ruins is the main work and the Gwen sequel prequel thing is called no one hates me like i do and it's angst Ah, (laughs) i'm so excited to read it i already hurt (laughs) and then the the other the last one is uh called hold me love me and it's part of my bottom author um 
series that I wrote for this year's Bottom Author Fest. The series is called Eight Days a Week. And in the series, it's about like Arthur hooking up with a different friend of his each day of the week. And on one day, he and Leon have a little kinky, smutty, bondage, orgasm delay, edging session that they indulge in. So, like, it's part of a series, but it can be read alone. So if you just want to read the Leon author, just go read that one. And my last rec is not a self wreck because I'm not a total um, egomaniac. <laughs> This one is a Merlin Gwaine fig that is actually a happy Merlin Gwaine fig that is not at all about Merlin using Gwaine as a substitute or rebound for Arthur. It is from Arthur's point of view, but it's... Uh, it, okay, the story is called Honorable Intentions, written by Smile Backwards, part fig by Lunchy. It's canon fig. It's about 2,000 words long, also only rated teen. And it's from Arthur's point of view, like I said. And, like, Arthur wants to make sure that Gwen has honorable intentions towards Merlin and is, like, worthy of him. So this is a very sweet story. It's a good platonic Merlin and Arthur relationship story. It's uh, also cute just seeing Merlin, Gwen through Arthur's eyes, like, how, how sweet they are with each other, with each other, how tender they are with each other. Like, it literally starts with... Merlin having given his neckerchief to Gwen as a token for um, a jousting session, like to bring him good luck. So it's just, it's just really, really sweet. No one is pining for anyone because everybody is with the person they want to be with, and it's just really, really sweet. And I think everybody who likes Merlin Gwen will like the story because it's lovely. You know what, fans? If you wanna, if you wanna write more of those kind of stories, I will come read them. Like, please, more of this, like, actual relationship between Merlin and Arthur where the only play, like, the only chips in the game is he just wants to make sure that Merlin is safe and happy. He doesn't want to get between them. He just wants to make sure that his friend is in good hands. Like, I'm all for that. So, yeah, this is really, this is, this is exactly the kind of story you want to read for that. Okay, wait, I forgot. I had another one. I just found it. Oh, go. Um, it's a fic called To Court the King's Manservant by Kimley Pan. And it also uh, looks like it's part of a series by the same name. Um, but it's basically just Gwen deciding to go through a courtship with Merlin, um, but not necessarily doing it out in public. But it gets more public. Oh, <laughs> all right. Nice. Thanks for that. So, Rox, you have Vidrex. The first two things I've got are uh, fan vids. One is made by my friend Natalie, uh, and it's Gwen and Leon, but like separate. They're not like you know, like a couple in the vid. They're just like, and it's to uh, whip it. You know, I whip my hair back and forth. I oh whip my, my god! Hair. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> oh, this so, is excellent. And I mean. You know, the hair. We haven't discussed the hair, so that's the perfect. Which is kind of criminal that we didn't mention the hair. Oh, yeah, I was waiting for this wreck. <laughs> and then I have a video that's called Everyone Loves Gwen. Oh, sorry, Sir Gwen. And uh, you would, and it's to the song uh, Three by Britney Spears. <laughs> it's basically about a threesome, but there's no threesome in this 
bit, so I'm, I'm not really sure why, but that's also a really fun one. Um, I love those too. So they're just kind of like, if you want to call them character focused, I suppose you could. And then um, there's Merlin and Gwen, a uh, bit that I love by a friend of mine uh, called I Like You 31. And uh, she did uh, Merlin and Gwen. Well, it is past Merlin Arthur. So Arthur has died in this uh, in this vid from being uh, knocked over the head one too many times. <laughs> That's the reason for his death. And um, it's kind of born out of like, you know, that. Uh, but it's still real and it's still true. And it's called Can You Hear My Call? Seeing as we're self-wrecking today. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I've already wrecked a podcast of mine, but I'll wreck it officially. You guys should go listen to Substitute. <laughs> read by me um no it's such a good fic and it's really heartbreaking and the reason why i recorded it was because i remember when i read it i was like oh this is painful and it gave me the murther feels it gave me the merwain feels and it's just like really it it's a really short fic but it's got a lot of like meat on the bones and it's really really good um and then I'm gonna I'm gonna wreck two vids of mine because they're both Merwin because I I did actually vid Merwin back in the day would you believe it um I just haven't done it for ages first one is to accidentally in love you know that like from the Shrek yes. movie so um so that's really fluffy and like uh happy which is really great and then the other one I called it uh strength and magic it was literally just like a relationship vid it was to the track um what's it called i think uh it's from forrest gump i think it's just called forrest gump suite it's that like do 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 it's like that like really nice music and um it's uh yeah it's just literally like there's no lyrics it's just about them and all the lovely things they say to one another and it's just really like again just i mean it's their relationship it's just charming and it's lovely so like what else can you say so uh yeah, there we go. There's some, and not a lot of Leon, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I mean, but you got his hair. You got, I whip my hair back and forth. So you can enjoy that. It's going to be great. And uh, <laughs> I didn't make it. My friend made it. She, oh, God. I remember when I saw the preview for that, I was like, this, this is going to be like a classic. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's my recs for a lovely, honorable night. Wonderful. Thank you. So this concludes us for this episode. And I have a feeling that it's going to be another long one once I'm done editing it. But I hope everybody listening to it had fun. And I trust that all our guests had fun talking to us. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, that's the best thing you could have said. <laughs> In two weeks, we are going to talk about Gwensalot. In which you'll hear a very excited... Roxanne captaining her ship and me just trying to be the iceberg who sinks it. And she <laughs> failed. <laughs> well, you were never going to be convinced that it's not a great ship and I was never going to be convinced that it's an awesome ship. So. <laughs> Momo, that's because you're not trying hard enough. You don't need to be the iceberg. You need to be the cannon. Cannon always sinks ships. Cannon sank this ship long before I had to, so there you go. I think this is also the conclusion we came to in the episode, but everybody will get to hear that in two weeks. For today, we're going to say goodbye to our guests, Tori. Bye! And our guest, Shakes. Bye, guys! And I have been Momotastic. And I'm a Snowfox. Bye, guys! Bye! <laughs>